0: On this show,
1: we will be talking about Area 51. I know somebody who worked at Area 51. Bob Lazar. It's unclear exactly what Bob Lazar did at Area 51. Extraterrestrials. What the effect on us would be if we were to find evidence. And uh, obviously, if you find it nearby, if it's only, you know, if the Galileo Project finds aliens sailing around at, you know, 20,000 feet above the surface, I mean, that has obvious implications. To begin with, I suppose the FAA would grind all, uh, ground all flights out of San Jose Airport.
0: Warning, true stories and science is for mature audiences only. Open minds are advised. Broadcasting from the West Coast, here's Evan Weiss. Joining me is Seth Shostak, the prolific astronomer who heads the SETI Center. Hello, Seth. How are you?
1: Uh, reasonably well. I mean, you know, sure, I, I backed over the cat getting out of the garage, but <laughs> and it's not, not so
0: bad. Are you part of the Galileo Project now? I'm on their science advisory committee. What do you think the Galileo Project seeks to achieve, and and what do you think about that?
1: I think that its in, intentions are good. Uh, in, in, in other words, what they're going to try and do is take UFOlogy, if you can call it an ology, Uh, Out of the ex post facto regime of trying to analyze reports, which is essentially all it's been so far for the last 70 years, whatever, and try and make an experiment out of it. In other words, if we're really being visited, you know, is there anything we could do that would prove that other than just hoping that somebody has a camera aimed in the right direction at the right time? So that's what they're, they're hoping to do. What do you think about the uh, the Pentagon when they released this uh, footage from uh,
0: supposedly UAPs? Do you think that's some sort of evidence or do you think that's man-made uh, phenomena?
1: Yeah, I, I haven't seen anything in those videos that can't be explained by very mundane uh, phenomena. Essentially all, well, all, man-made. Now, of course, there are only three videos. I haven't seen anything beyond those three videos. But, you know, anybody can go online and find uh, uh, explanations for what You're seeing there that don't involve anything more exotic than, you know, weather balloons and aircraft and stuff like that. It can all be explained with that kind of phenomena. And so that says to me that, well, if you have the choice between saying, well, I don't know whether it was an airplane or not, but it could have been an airplane or I don't know if it was an alien craft or not, but it could have been an alien craft. That it's not really <laughs> very, very scientific to say. Well, I'm going to choose for the alien explanation.
0: So you think these things could be like maybe like a, like a foreign adversary creating technology uh, to like maybe uh, uh, do reconnaissance on these
1: on these army facilities. Well, why are they then? Why are the craft always in front of the pilots? I, a, I don't, a, I, don't mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't really understand that. I don't think so. I mean, that's always a possibility, and that's the possibility that most interests. The pentagon the pentagon in its report didn't say anything about extraterrestrials what they did say something about not much but they said something about the possibility that these are in fact uh you know craft from other countries and uh you know that's possible and that's the kind of thing they have to have to know about but uh i, I don't actually think that's the explanation either
0: and if they are uh, uh, things from uh, – or crafts from another country, do you think uh, when you see these videos, is there anything in their physics or the way they move that might uh, suggest that uh, they're a lot more advanced than uh, the kind of projects we're working on?
1: Well, you you know, people point out, look at how fast it's going. and Now it's pulling 50 Gs and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. But that doesn't – you know, that, that doesn't hold any water unless you know how far away these things are. And, of course uh, – they don't know how far away they are. They were not picked up apparently on the f- fighter radar. You know, the guys yeah. who are making the films didn't see them on their radar. I, I am, I am, I gather that from what they say. Of, uh, I, I, you know, they don't say explicitly that they didn't find them on their radar. But if they had found them on their radar, then at least you would know something about how fast they're moving, and uh, you know, th- things like that, the, the accelerations and so forth. You just you know, that's just all very simple freshman physics. So, you know, you would know that sort of thing. But if you don't know how far away they are, then you can't say anything about either of those quantities. And what do you think the Pentagon would release it under that specter of
0: could be extraterrestrial? Do you think there's some sort of PSYOP going on there or, or do you think just people, people interpret it that way?
1: I think people interpret it that way. I've, I've worked for the uh, Naval Research Lab, actually. So oh, I guess so you must know. That- <laughs> yeah, so so yeah, it was a long time ago. I had summer jobs. I had uh, some sort of secret clearance, in fact, from the FBI, but yes. uh, I never saw anything there that would lead me to think that there, you know, there's some sort of psyop going on here. Look, the Na- the Navy wants to know what they are, uh, simply in the interest of defense, and uh, that's always been what the Pentagon has been interested in UFOs for. I don't know that they've ever said that. Well, we think they're alien craft i I don't you know and I was around for some of the earlier reports, I don't remember them ever suggesting that, but you know that's what the public finds more interesting of course
0: And what do you think about the the idea that there might be extraterrestrials out there? do you think it's a it's a it's a thing that could be possible or or not really
1: well that could i i look here at the SETI Institute we have experiments to try and find evidence for extraterrestrials that are out there. So, obviously, I think that it's overwhelmingly likely, otherwise, you know, the Earth is uh, extraordinarily privileged, right? It's one of a trillion planets in this galaxy, but it's the only one with intelligent beings. I mean, that does strain credulity to, to say that. Right. Uh, but on the other hand, it's a completely different thing to say, well, are they visiting us? That's that's a much, you know, that's, that's a completely it, different statement, and that, that hmm. one— if true, would be extremely interesting. If not true, it's you know it's folklore.
0: But Seth, as a person who, who works at SETI uh, to look for these kinds of things, you don't think that at some point they might have been able to create technology to send probes to Earth or other planets, similar to the way we send probes and and rovers to Mars.
1: Well, Mars is like thirty thirty-five million miles away. The nearest other planet to our planetary system. Is almost six, uh, well, it's, it's like 25 or 30, you know, trillion miles mm. away, All right, It's completely different order of magnitude. It's like saying, well, look, Bob, you can go out to the back porch and have a Coke, or Bob, you can walk to Tibet and have a Coke. <laughs> yeah, maybe you could do it, but it's a different, it's a different problem. And uh, it, it's a, a problem of such enormous magnitude. It's very difficult uh to do that and uh, if they were doing it you'd sort of wonder why and secondly they must be coming from someplace relatively nearby otherwise you know they they don't know of our existence so you know those those, those things sort of uh argue against this kind of idea right from the beginning so there there's no
0: chance in other words it it's so far away and the uh, to pinpoint the Earth specifically would make no sense. but what if what if they have uh, faster uh, equipment to get to certain places? Maybe they they launched this like many, many, many millions of years ago, and it's been like uh, voyaging across different solar systems to gather information. Do you think that hypothesis is uh, is viable or, or there's just no chance on earth?
1: No, I, no, you can't say it's no chance. it doesn't viol- that doesn't violate physics. Right, but you know neither does walking to Tibet that doesn't find physics either. right It doesn't mean that there're going to be a lot of people doing it, so uh you know it's <laughs> it, it's certainly possible that they sent something here, and if they uh, sent it a million years ago, just think of what they would know about the Earth from a million years ago. You know, there were no transmitters and anything like that. They could analyze the gases in our atmosphere and find oxygen and say, "Well, you know uh, that looks encouraging you know they they at least have plants. Right. <laughs> right. But, you know, to send a, a, a starship that takes a million years to get here and then just go about teasing our Navy jets, you know, that seems a strange concatenation of events to me. Yeah,
0: I, I do. I do find it strange that these these objects appear only in uh, military installations, which uh, which begs the question, why only there
1: and how would they know? Yeah. Well, you, you could answer that by saying, well, it's only the military that has the equipment that's able to see yeah. them. But if that's your point of view, I mean, you could say that, right? These four looking infrared cameras, these FLIR cameras that are responsible for those three videos are looking in the infrared, and most people don't see very well in the infrared, right? But on the other hand, they claim they could see them with their eyes, too, and there are 10,000 reports roughly uh, every year just in the United States of people who see things in the sky, and they claim that those are, you know, at least some fraction of them are also alien craft. So it doesn't sound like it requires very specific technology to see these things, right? At least unless you're willing to just disregard all the reports that people make. Uh, So if it doesn't require any special technology to see them, then I wonder indeed why uh, amateur astronomers don't see them, as you suggested earlier in the show, or uh, that we don't see them with our you know, satellites and things like that, or that aircraft don't see them either. I mean, they don't run into them. They don't compete with them for uh, landing rights at the airport and stuff like that. (laughs) Right. Now,
0: for those who don't know, what does the SETI stand for, the acronym, and what do you do there?
1: Yeah, it's uh, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, and that's our namesake program. That was the program that got the SETI Institute founded back in 1984, And uh, that's to do what Jodie Foster does in the movie Contact. Try and find proof of aliens' existence by eavesdropping on either radio waves or flashing lasers or even just finding some sort of, you know, large-scale constructions by societies that might be millions, even billions of years more advanced than we are. I mean, such things presumably exist because the universe is a lot older than our solar system. So there's been plenty of time for really advanced societies to become really advanced and build build big stuff, big stuff that we might be able to see. So uh, that's all under the purview of SETI, trying to prove that the aliens are out there by finding some sort of evidence for it. So so I guess you could say SETI is really more
0: focused on uh, signals and, and, and detecting, what could be extraterrestrial life from a further distance. And, and the Galileo Project is more, I guess, focused on, on a lower altitude uh, spectrum.
1: Yeah, it's like the difference between trying to find, um, you know, elephants in Africa or finding them in your backyard. Right. right? <laughs> that's a good point. That's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's the difference. <laughs> have you, uh,
0: since you've worked at SETI, have you found any, any evidence that there might be uh, aliens uh, out there? No, we haven't.
1: Not yet. Not yet. I have a, a feeling that that will happen within 10 or 20 years simply because of the improvements in technology. But, you know, you don't need to listen to me on that. It's, uh, it's, it's straight out the case that we have not made any claims that we found the aliens. This is a little different than, of course, the UFO folk because they claim they have, have found evidence for them. At SETI, do you have actual human beings looking through telescopes,
0: human beings sitting on computers looking through data, or is it primarily automated, very uh, computerized in that way?
1: Yeah, no, it's all computerized. It's all computerized. I mean, it would be extremely tedious well, yeah. to sit at the observatory 24-7, right. you know, trying to decide in these 100 million channels whether there's something in there. Uh, you, to so begin not, with, you it, couldn't. So it's not like the
0: movie uh, Contact.
1: <laughs> no, the movie Contact is a false impression in that regard. And it isn't that Carl Sagan didn't know how these things are done, but – it's just not very interesting to have the computer find the aliens, as opposed to having Jodie Foster find the aliens. <laughs>
0: I mean, how how much of that movie is true, and how much of it isn't?
1: Well, the the beginning. I, I was actually a consultant for the film. The, the The beginning and the end are. Well, let me retract that a bit. The <laughs> beginning. The beginning is pretty accurate. I mean, okay. you know, Sega knew knew how the experiment was being done, and. Uh, so that, that's fairly accurate. But once they pick up the signal, you know, it's no longer very accurate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's the good part. Um, yeah. Well, so, it's, a, it's
1: a fiction piece, of course.
0: Right. It's a fictional part. If SETI were to receive a signal that seemed to be coming from alien life, what are the protocols?
1: The, the protocols have been revised at least once, but they are basically the same as they always were. And that's just to confirm the signal, tell everybody. and. Okay. Don't make any efforts to broadcast back until, you know, you've got some resolution from the United Nations that it's all okay. Uh, The only interesting thing is that that third one. But basically, if you find a signal there, you know, we've had false alarms. Nobody pays any attention to the protocols because everybody's trying to find out whether this is really the signal that you're looking for. So Hmm. all the effort goes into verifying the signal. If you do receive a signal, do you think there's danger in communicating with them? Uh, I don't know whether there is or not. Nobody can know that. That depends on, you know, how the aliens feel about it. But point 1, the nearest alien society might be hundreds or a thousand light years away. So if you, you know, call them back and say, "Hi, look, we're the Earthlings." And, uh, you know, they they don't like that and decide to uh, invade or, you know, just destroy your planet from afar. You know, they can't do any of that faster than the speed of light. So it it might be a thousand years before you <laughs> before see the they react. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could easily be a thousand years. Could be a lot more. Hopefully, so, hopefully they cool off by then. Well, yeah, but they they may have already launched whatever they're going to oh, launch. That's a good but, point. But you don't know. But you know, it doesn't really pay to worry about that kind of thing because uh, we are broadcasting to space, not SETI, but you know, the, all the radars on this planet, not to mention television and FM radio. All of that is high frequency, so it all goes uh, into space. And uh, it's not easy to find, but you know, if if they're advanced aliens and they have the ability to actually send any hardware this way, then they have big antennas and they could they could find all this stuff and decide what they want to do about it, if anything. I was wondering about what you said earlier about
0: how you know you guys been looking for for extraterrestrial life for a while, but it seems like a lot of these ufologists have you know find them all the time. I, I'm assuming you get tons of email. Uh, or hate mail, really, from a lot of these UFO people who say, how can you deny the existence of UFOs and extraterrestrials?
1: Well, yeah, a lot of them think, and then they excuse me by saying, well, but we know you can't do it because, you know, it would cost you your job if you revealed the (laughs) truth. And uh, th- 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 that causes the my boss to smile. <laughs> he says, "Keep that in mind, Seth. Remember, yeah, keep if, that you, in if mind. you disclose <laughs> that we're keeping it all secret. Uh, it's going to cost you your job." What else, what else? And, I don't know. And, but, and,
0: and as a serious person who's looking at this, what do you think about people who who say things like that? Do you think it's a a delusion, mental problems? Uh, what what is it exactly that that makes people want to do those things, or say those kinds
1: of things, or believe those things? Well, I think it's empowering at some level. I mean, some people are just, you know, they've got (laughs) other problems, put it that way. But most of them are not in that category. Most of them uh, are very hard over on this idea. For some reason, it's a highly emotional topic. And, uh, you know, if you don't agree with them, it's like saying, well, I I don't believe in your religion, for example. Uh You can imagine how that would, uh, you know, tick a lot of people off. And uh, it's very similar, at least in terms of the reaction.
0: Do you think people's perception about Area 51 uh, is correct in terms of it having possible alien technology, or do you think it's also part of this whole delusional religious thing?
1: No, it's all—it's all part of the delusion. Listen, I know somebody who worked at Area 51. And, you know, it's—it's it's was, a, it, a it uh, was it was uh, it Bob Lazar, by any chance? It was not Bob Lazar. In <laughs> fact, it's unclear exactly what Bob Lazar did at Area 51. But some people have actually dug into his background and what he says and what were. You know, what, what seems to be the truth are not exactly the same. But but that that's that's not the point. The point is that uh, Area 51, I mean, it's a test range, right, for, uh, for military aircraft. And as a consequence, it's secret, right? So that makes it immediately suspect. It's secret, so consequently there are aliens. Right. That's the <laughs> logic. So, so if so, you find that compelling logic, all right.
0: So, you know, I've talked to Bob Lazar before, and he seems like an authentic— sincere guy. It seems like he's a smart guy. He owns, I think, a, a company in New Mexico where he sells instruments and other things to do uh, physics and, and other things. Why would someone who seems sincere, seems like a smart guy, seems like he has no reason to lie? Do you think he, he, he would lie because uh, for, for no, notoriety, money, fame?
1: Well, I certainly can't uh, you know venture an opinion on that when it comes to Bob Lazar, because I I don't know him personally, I don't know what his motivation might be. All I can say is that there are plenty of people, and I've known some of them, who who make similar claims, and their motivations are usually usually it's the notoriety or the money. In some cases, it's just about the money, right? That's <laughs> it's kind just... of cynical of them, but that's why they do it. It's their living, right? Others uh, may actually believe it. I mean, I've had long discussions. With uh, other people who pay attention to these sorts of things, to inquire about the question. Well, look, do these people believe it themselves?
0: That's right. I right. mean,
1: you know, you remember the face on Mars. Oh yeah. Uh, right. Uh, Richard. What's the last name. Uh, anyhow. Ho- hopefully it was in. Uh, Hogland. Hogland. Uh, Richard, yeah. Richard C. Hogland. Yeah, and he's written books about the face on Mars and how this is an artifact that was built by Martians, and now. That that story probably has sold fewer books now that we have high-resolution photos of the face on Mars, and it looks like a mountain. But, you know, I, I kind of wondered when he was proposing that this was true, was it simply that he didn't know or that he hoped that it was true? Or was it to sell the books? Or what was it? And I still today don't know what the real motivation was, but there was clearly a, a reason to have that point of view because— you know, you're not going to get much publicity if you say, well, it's just a mountain. <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> now,
0: th- does that hurt what you're trying to do or does it help? Because in a way, it piques the interest of, uh, of the average Joe out there who, you know, probably wouldn't care about this stuff. But when he, when he when he hears about a book that talks about pictures on Mars with faces and things like that, maybe it piques his interest and maybe he's more interested in maybe supporting uh, things that would fund this kind of research. Or do you think overall it's just not a good thing to be doing?
1: No, I think it falls in the middle. I think it's kind of neutral. I mean, you know, we get more inquiries from the media. That's true when something like the uh, X-Files is popular (laughs) on TV, right? People are interested in it. Or in the case of, uh, for example, these Navy videos, then people call up and we want to know what you guys think of this and that sort of thing. So they are tied, at least in the public's mind. They're not so Tied together in the minds of most scientists, they're completely different. But hey, I mean, I, I don't think it hurts either. Honestly, I don't. I mean, I I got into astronomy maybe because of a book by a guy by the name of George Adamski that he wrote in the 1950s and had all these photos of flying saucers. Oh, Back really? Then, wow. Yeah, That's yeah. Back then you could, you know, they were really highly detailed. You could see the rivets. Um, I mean, they always look like hubcaps to me, but maybe that's because that's probably what they were. But anyhow.
0: So looking back as an astronomer now, what do you think about those depictions of UFOs that you used to see as a kid? Do you think they were fake? Do you think they were hoaxed? How do you think they did that?
1: Well, I mean, it's it's, it's like people who write about how I you know, I died and I went back to the time of Julius Caesar and, you know, I went to various banquets and they had me give a, a talk to the Roman Senate and all this stuff. And then, you know, something <laughs> happened and I came back. I, why do people write those books? I, I, I don't think they're likely to be true. But on the other hand, if they're entertaining, why not?
0: Well, and if they make uh, great astronomers like you, I think they're uh, added
1: value. Yeah. But on the other hand, uh, you know, I I think I was more influenced in my choice of career uh, by movies, actually, than than this book, or any other book. But, you know, and movies make no pretense. They are fiction. <laughs> I mean, they have a long list of titles at the end. These are the people that made this fiction. Right. Right. And uh, But on the other hand, it makes the field seem very exciting, you know, and uh, even romantic, you know, in the sense of being a, a a very desirable kind of story to be able to live, even though it's not necessarily very realistic. And what do you think about
0: Avi Loeb's interpretation of the data received uh, about Amuamua? Do you think his interpretation about it being possibly a sail, like a solar sail or something like that, could be true? Or do you think it's more of the same kind of wanting to believe?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, <laughs> without, you know, being able to get into the mind of Avi <laughs> lobe. I, I, I can't say, but I do have friends down the hall here who do study asteroids. And, uh, you know, they point out that, well, this thing, you know, didn't behave any different than an asteroid that's, you know, has some some ice underneath the surface to sublimate and give it an extra kick, which would explain why it, uh, its motions were a little bit odd. And also the fact that it had the same color as a old asteroid and stuff like that I mean the data seemed all quite consistent with it being an asteroid yes from another solar system a chip of something from another solar system but you know if you ask them well could it be a solar sail yeah I mean it could be chopped liver I mean who knows what it could be but it's uh most likely an asteroid huh, interesting i mean yeah I, th- I think I think that nine out of ten asteroid astronomers say a Muamua is an asteroid now you know forty thousand frenchmen could be wrong i mean what, what do you think about <laughs> what, what, <laughs>
0: what do you think about the uh the changes in the way it moved and also the way the light kind of flickered almost?
1: do you think that's usually how an asteroid um, well it certainly could yeah i mean the 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 change in motion is a very slight deviation from a strictly Passive elliptical orbit that Newton would predict, but Newton doesn't assume that you've got a rocket bolted onto your asteroid, and an asteroid actually does have a rocket bolted onto it uh, if it's you know got water, frozen water, ice under the surface because when it goes around the sun, that stuff sublimates. In other words, it you know it turns to gas, it melts if you will, and uh, you know so it's got these little jets of of steam <laughs> coming off it, and those just act like rockets. I mean, this is, this is a not an unknown effect. In fact, I can't remember whether it was Armageddon or Deep Impact, but you know, there's there's scenes of Bruce Willis there on the surface of a comet, right? And you <laughs> right. see all these you know these things spewing into space. I mean, that's not so unusual, anyhow. So that's that's what it could be, right? So you have to ask yourself, okay, on the one hand. The data seem to be completely consistent with it being an asteroid. But on the other hand, you've got Abby who thinks, no, it's not. So, you know, it's it's an interesting dinner table discussion, but there's no catching up to a muamua. It's never, it's never going to be seen again by us, right? So, um, you know, it's just one of those things. We'll never know. It's like, you know, how long was Rapunzel's hair really? I mean, <laughs> we, we're just never going to know. So... But but, th- know, but but don't you
0: think it's very important because it seems to be like the first interstellar object to kind of travel within within the solar system and close to close to the Earth, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. It is the first macro object that's uh, entered our solar system from somebody else's. But, you know, a, a year and a half later, they found a second one, right? As soon as you have the instrumentation that can find these things, well, you start finding them, right? So, it isn't so-
0: that... So you think they were kind of always there, but as technology kind of oh, yeah, advanced, right. we're able to start
1: seeing these new, uh, new new, things? Yeah. It's like black holes or you know, active galaxies or anything, you know, pulsars, right? God, in the 1960s, we found pulsars. It isn't that they suddenly appeared in the universe. What happened was suddenly <laughs> the instruments to find them appeared in the universe. Interesting. Seth, I
0: know you're a big sci-fi movie buff. Out of all the movies you've ever seen... Which are your
1: favorite ones i mean I, I like the original War of the Worlds, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was made by George Powell, whom I had some correspondence with actually at a time uh, at one time and um I just thought that that was much scarier than the you know the the, 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 the remake right yeah, the because, remake wasn't too good. no, it wasn't it's, you know. Uh, And I think that there was a mistake that was made in the remake. They showed the aliens too often and too early. You don't want to do that.
0: Yeah, you want to keep that suspense. Uh, What about the Battle of Los Angeles? Have you seen that
1: movie? Yeah, I was uh, actually invited down to Santa Monica uh, by the publicity firm that was, (laughs) you know, advertising that film. And I was on various panels to talk about it. And, uh, you know, as someone from Northern California, I felt it was— only justified that uh, the aliens would want to flatten Los Angeles before they came, <laughs> came north. I thought that was good. But, you know, I mean, the aliens come to Earth. They finally come to Earth. And rather than, you know, I don't know, going to Coney Island or something, they just decide to start with Santa Monica and start flattening all of L.A.
0: <laughs> what what part of uh, northern California are you from?
1: Well, I'm living now in the Silicon Valley. Oh, so. cool. You're You're my neighbor. Really? Where are you? In San Jose. I've heard of San Jose. Isn't that near Milpitas? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, close, to, uh, <laughs> close to close a Japantown. Japantown. Yeah,
1: well, I'm in Mountain View, so there oh, you go. Mountain
0: View, there you go. We're neighbors. Yep. Um, when you give talks about these uh, the subject, what are the kinds of questions that people ask that you find very interesting?
1: Maybe the most interesting thing I've found, at least when I give talks uh, about this subject, is what the effect on us would be if we were to find evidence, and uh, obviously, if you find it nearby, if it's only you know, if project, if the Galileo project finds aliens sailing around at you know, twenty thousand feet above the surface, I mean that has obvious implications to begin with. I suppose the FAA would grind all uh, ground all flights out of San Jose Airport. Yeah, but uh, I think a more likely scenario is that we eventually find a signal or We see some sort of alien construction at a great distance, and now people would know that there really is somebody out there, and I, I think they would still go to uh, their job and continue to code up new Python applications. But <laughs> I, you know, it's 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 still it's a change because now suddenly you have a better sense of how we fit into the universe.
0: What do you think would happen if we uh, what, uh, if we found out there was Aliens out there, what do you think would happen socially? Do you think religions would change? Do you think there'd be civil wars? Do you think there'd be a reorganization of how we relate to the to the world?
1: I, I doubt it. Very often that they, they they kind of posit in fiction that if we found the aliens suddenly, you know, peace would break out or we would come together to defend the planet. But, you know, I, I figure if the aliens really are here, if the UFO folk are right, they've been here a long time. Right. And they, they, they arrived just at the time when the skies were filling up with aircraft and rockets and stuff like that. Post Second <laughs> World War. Rather co- coincidental of that. But the, the Foo Fighters. Yeah, the Foo Fighters. <laughs> but, you know, but they haven't done anything. They've done nothing. Right. It's still just as hard to find a parking space in San Francisco as it ever was. The aliens haven't fixed that problem <laughs> and they haven't fixed any of our other problems. Uh, they <laughs> they don't do anything. See, that's the beauty of them. They don't do anything. You know, 2% of the population thinks they're being hauled out of their bedroom by the aliens, but it's most likely that that's something else. <laughs> and, you know, so I, I I guess it would be kind of an interesting revelation. Yeah, there are these, uh, you know, beings living amongst us. I mean, they're only a couple of miles away, really. And but they don't do anything. Don't worry about it. They're not going to, you know, wreck the neighborhood or or take your parking space.
0: <laughs> and what do you think about the uh, Ancient Alien series? Did you, did you find those fascinating, or did you kind of see them as eh, not too, not too great?
1: Well, I've been in a lot of them, so my my view on that is biased. <laughs> I, I just I tell my barber every time I want to look like Giorgio. Oh but yeah. You like his hair. I like his hair. He's a very nice guy, actually. He seems like it. Yeah, no, he actually is quite a nice guy. It's entertainment, and if you uh, speak with the producer of this series, that's what he will tell you straight out. He says, this is not science education. This is entertainment. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, Art Bell used to say the same thing, right? I mean, he's in the entertainment biz. He's not there to (laughs) teach you physics or anything like that. So as long as you keep that in mind, I mean, it's fine. And Ancient Aliens is, you know, interesting. Whenever they go too far out on a limb, they'll they have this stock phrase, something like some ancient alien scholars think that yeah. it's possible right. that this could conceivably in some other universe be true. And then they and, and, then,
0: and then they have the QU on the shot.
1: Well, they, they, <laughs> they use me as they want to use me. They, they I don't know that they like to have me on the show because I tend to be skeptical. But which is a, which is a good thing, though. I suppose. I, I, I find it an entertaining show. I, uh, I'll i say that. I do. I and so. uh, I, I I like the people who are involved. Actually, the ones I've met. Yeah. I've met a fair number of them, actually. Hey, where is it shot? Is it shot down in uh, L.A.? Well, it's shot all over the place. Yeah. I mean, uh, they, they did some sequences actually up at the, uh, uh, the Allen Telescope Array, where we have oh. a bunch of antennas nice. uh, up in the Cascade Mountains of Northern California. And uh, they, they came up there for a couple of days to shoot, two days, I think. And uh, we all went to dinner at a steakhouse in a lovely Bernie, California. And oh, Bernie, yeah. It was, it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun.
0: Sounds like a lot of fun. Well, Seth Shostak, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it.
1: It's been my pleasure, Evan. Always is. If you made it this far, you're truly a sage.
0: And we want to thank you for listening to True Stories in Science, Like, follow and subscribe to support this show.